Hey, what's up? It's Dr. Josh. And I know you've heard me talk about Clinic Gym Connect, but the power of Clinic Gym Connect is really well demonstrated in following up with patients who already know, like, and trust you. So here's two users, Dr. Carson Ani from Capital Sports Medicine and his office manager, Mark, talking about how you can use Clinic Gym Connect to follow up with your very interested, very warm clients. It's always hard to bring in new people and it's just easier to talk with the people that already know, like, and trust you. And so once we figured out that Clinic Gym Connect was a software that can really help with that, I took Mark through all the trainings and said, have at it. I wanted to contact the most recent patients that have been in. Dr. Carson showed me Clinic Gym Connect. All it was, I would go to the patient list, run a report from our EHR, tag them as a 30, 60, 90 patient. They open our dialer, send them a custom text, sends their name automatically. If they respond, great. If not, shoot them a call and had a nice voicemail feature that I could just click. And it saved me for every 50 patients, which would normally take me a few hours. I could get that done in 45 minutes. It was a personal touch that they weren't used to. And it didn't take a lot of effort on our end at all. That's how easy it is. And you can see that the 30, 60, 90 campaign is super powerful. And get this, it's already in your account when you sign up for Clinic Gym Connect. So if you're interested in following up with those patients who know, like, and trust you, and you want to do it at intervals like 30 days, 60 days, and 90 days, check out clinicgymconnect.com. Are you a chiropractor or physical therapist that believes in exercise, wants to make some money, and wants to provide the absolute best care for your patients? Well, then you are in the right place. I'm Dr. Josh Satterley, and this is Clinic Gym Radio, where we talk about the Clinic Gym hybrid model, which is combining the best parts of healthcare with active care and fantastic exercise programs to get patients the best care they can while helping you make more money in this game. This is Clinic Gym Radio, and I'm Dr. Josh Satterley. I'm excited for you to be here. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I am your host, as always, Dr. Josh Satterley, and it is my pleasure today to be joined by Dr. John Rosa. John, how are you? Very good, thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm glad you invited me. Yeah, well, the pleasure's all ours and uh, very excited. You know, as I told you before, at the end of every podcast episode, I say, I try and inspire our, our peers to go out there, maximize your license and live the life you dream of. And if anybody has ever seen you speak or knows anything about you, uh, you have tried to wring every single drop of value out of your chiropractic license as humanly possible. So I commend you. I thank you. Uh, It's great to see that because, you know, we are our peers. We share their license and that means we got to smack the deadbeats around. And then there's guys (laughs) like you that are increasing the value. So I love it. I love it. So so yeah, for those listening... Can you give us a quick synopsis of, I don't know what to call it, the empire of which you have built upon <laughs> your license? Well, yeah, I'm, uh, uh, you know, I never did anything once. I, was like, I, I came from Hackensack, New Jersey. It's Italian neighborhood. My family lived in five houses within walking distance, and we lived on a corner. And myself and my brother, who's also a doc and part of my partner in crime, we had a lemonade stand in front of the house. And it would piss me off that the other side, that the stop sign, they weren't coming around the corner. They were blowing right through. Mm. So I told my little brother, go tell mom, get a lemonade stand set up on the other side. There's two of us. And we doubled our money, right? So you 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 kind of get that (laughs) mentality of if something works and you know that you've created something well enough and it's reproducible, 
why in the world wouldn't you do it? So as we developed in practice over the last too many years, I mean, I'm in practice since 93, basically. So, mm -hmm. uh, but then in, on our own and building this uh, group of clinics for the last 20 something years. So 16 clinics later, um, you know, a couple of for-profit boards and a lot of non-profit boards and seeing the writing on the wall with the opioid crisis, getting involved a little bit. And I could kind of go into detail how that started, but, um, yeah, it's not easy. And then being on boards of the colleges I graduated from, including, uh, what's formerly known as New York chiropractic college and staying, staying palpably in touch with what's happening in our industry and then trying to make a difference and also lecturing all over the country on a crisis that I think we hold the keys to. I mean, yeah. Yeah. you know, got chiropractors and PTs and what, if you'll know by the time we finish talking that we not only hold the keys, but there's a war going on and we need to all like buckle up and grab a weapon and start rolling out. Yeah. Uh, from what it looks like, uh, you know, just reading about you before this interview, you basically had um, an engine going and then the opioid crisis was uh, better than jet fuel, rocket fuel uh, in, in the veins of the business. And that became the thing that just maybe exploded it. But it was, you already had a, in, it sound, seems like you had great clinics, good systems, good models, integrating right. different care. And then this epidemic hit and you were like, specifically the opioid epidemic. And it was like, this is our moment to, to show why been, we've been training this whole time, right? You were like this, the, I don't want to offend you by saying you're Greek, but it was the Spartans uh, training you for that moment to fight. Sure. Uh, you're hundred percent right. I built this, this, this thing was truly integrative in its sense with medicine, chiropractic, physical therapy, rehab, sports medicine, <clears throat> into professional sports and athletes from boxers, cyclists, you name it. And as that thing is growing, you, you know, I mean, a lot of listeners are going to know that all of a sudden you're seeing people on certain things and medications, if you even caught it, because when you get this collaborative care or outside care, and it's not within your system alone, all of a sudden this, this thing's popping up and there's a dependency. And then all of a sudden you see people getting an overdosing and coming back to the office and telling you about stories. And I guess when you're truly integrated, it's a little bit more visible than just a singular clinic, but it took me off balance about 2011, 12, because it was really starting to, to heat up. And I, and I, about 2016, I had a conversation with a medical doctor that I, get some business from. And he's like, John, it's just, it's just bad. I mean, I wish you were here uh, to make a bigger difference. Um, so, and of course, like I have no time to scratch my, my feet, you know, it's like, yeah. what do you mean? So he's like, well, I have a room. If you were there, I would just give him, walk him over to you. So well, of course, like an idiot, I, the free clinic that I opened <laughs> for a year and a half, I'm managing my businesses because I wasn't full-time in patients. I had some that I would see. Yeah. But, you know, I said, I can manage it from anywhere. Let me just take my computer and we'll see what the guy does. Well, he walked in about 10 people a day and probably eight of those needed care. And we had a meeting about six months in and he's like, man, I don't even feel like I, I pull my pen out anymore for pain patients. And I was like, well, can we run the data? So we took a look at it and it was about a year in and we had another meeting and he says, we, are, I drop, we dropped our writing by like 70% for opioid scripts. And that was ridiculous. When you get 10% drop, you, you write a white paper. 
You have a right. 70% drop, you start telling the right people who then get inviting, inviting you to go somewhere and say, yeah. well, what the hell did you do? That's drastic. And then eventually at the White House, and then I'm, I became a surrogate to the White House for the last two administrations, and I'm lecturing all over the country and then doing some consulting work with the FDA, Homeland Security, um, DOJ, FBI, I mean, all the acronyms and alphabet soup. Now I kind of put together their prevention side of things when they hold mm-hmm. their meetings, but it, it didn't ha- it, it happened because there was this spark in, 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 a, in a process and a place. And I just got published in JMPT for this study. I did in April, we finally got published. And basically the, the paper re- reads that if you inject chiropractic PT active care into a primary care setting, you will reduce the chances of writing heavier prescriptions for opioid. When 80% of opio of, of heroin users started with a prescription medication, then you know what the numbers I just said, I go to bed at night knowing I, that there's a good chunk of people that I probably prevented from overdose and dying. And that's what we need to do, right? I mean, we need to get on those horses and fight because there's ways for us to, to knock on those doors. Now, we've never been in a better position ever in our careers and our lives and the lifespan of physical therapy, chiropractic, integrative model, ever been in a better position to make a difference. I could not, I created a marketing campaign to go after medical doctors to get business in as a result of all the stuff I was doing. That one guy shut me down. Like I couldn't go, that, this was in that area in Frederick, Maryland. I couldn't go to another one because my, the associate that was in that practice would have never, would have quit. I mean, the volume ended up with just that one. You, and, you, and you know, look, back in the day, we've both been in practice a bit, right? You knocked on 100 medical doctor doors. Maybe 20 said, yeah, let me talk to you. Maybe five listened. And maybe one sent you somebody because they thought you were a nice guy. Right. But yeah. Now, 100 doors, it's 50 that open. It's yeah. 30 that are listening intently. And there's 10 that are like, man, thank God there's an alternative. I like this integrative model and I sh- I'm going to start sending because now I'm scared sugarless to write these scripts anymore. So yeah. we, we really do have a great opportunity ahead of us. Yeah. Well, uh, I want to make sure that we capture, you know, one of the things that, um, what do they call that? Um, expert syndrome where you know so much that it's hard to translate like the, the basics and the building steps, right? Right. You've already landed on the moon and some of the folks listening might be like, Hey, I'm just trying to take my first flight here. Like (laughs) ease back. Right. So let's go back to that time that you were in that, that doctor's office that called you in and said, Hey, you know, maybe I have a couple people in that doctor's office, just to give people that picture of a primary care physician. You know, we, as chiropractors, everybody has pain. Everybody has you know, we see that because they're filtered out. We're seeing, we're not seeing a general slice of the population. We're seeing a slice of the population that thinks we can help them with their pain, right? So everybody has pain. In that general pop of the primary care, some people may think it, it's 50% flus and colds and, you know, GI distress, and it's only 5% low back pain, 1% shoulder pain, et cetera, et cetera. Therefore, thinking that most of what they do is not musculoskeletal conditions. But in your experience, tell me what you think the typical day, at least in that practice, was like. Like, what percent are they seeing with the issues we can help with? Absolutely. 20, I would average out about 20% of 
of people going to a primary care physician office, I don't care where they are, who they are, and what they practice, is going to be musculoskeletal related. There's other pain associations with other visceral type disorders, rest, but we're talking about strictly musculoskeletal uh, symptoms. So the, the, the medical system in general is set up hospital, urgent care, primary care. 98% of all visits of healthcare activity goes through that cycle, not us. We have to go and find it, right? It could be a combination of us and them, uh, but it's even that 2% differential is not just coming to us. It's like you, you so, so their system set up for that. And the number one reason to go to the hospital is to be born. The number two reason is low back pain. So, so, so it gives you an idea of why musculoskeletal yeah. stuff is in that system, right? So yeah. if you have a primary care's office who sees one doctor with a, with a nurse practitioner and sees 20, 30 people a day, or one doctor and a bunch of nurse practitioners or two doctors and they're seeing 100 people a day, do the math, right? There's 20 right. people a day. There's three right. to 20 people, depending on the size of the practice, every day, not weekly or no, you know, we look at our stats and try to get our numbers, but that's on a daily basis. Now, even if it's 20, that's musculoskeletal and half of those can actually come within our system to be treated. It's still 10 a day. Like you can't handle the truth, right? <laughs> the, the 10 a day is drastic and it's right, right yeah. in front of us. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a sizable thing that we don't really go after and it was yeah. intimidating to do so, but that's not the case anymore. You know, what's intimidating is doctors getting sued for overprescribing. That's intimidating. It, pharmacies going into this thing now, but they're getting sued. That's intimidating. Distribution companies who already gotten sued is intimidating. And all the pharmaceutical companies that make the drugs who have already been sued, that's intimidating. Not yeah, us. I, I did a presentation for a local physicians group here. And the one comment that, I mean, afterwards, a lot of it was, hey, I didn't realize you guys could do so much. I really appreciate you coming, you know. A lot of them expressed the concern, especially if they were like in their 50s. They're like, hey, I've dealt with some chiros a long time ago that gave me a bad taste in my mouth, but you're obviously different, which is great for my ego. You know, so I was like, oh, keep talking. As many compliments as you want to give me, I'll take. But the one comment that was not about me that just totally stuck out in my mind, even to this day, was thank you because I just didn't know what to do with people who had pain. Right. Because they're getting pressure from their their owners in the hospital saying, stop prescribing opioids. And their reaction is like, I want to, I want to stop. But this person in front of me is hurting and I'm a human being who cares about people inherently. That's why I took this job and I want to do something for them. So telling them to like, here's a pamphlet, read about pain education. It just doesn't fit with what they want to do. And you can't look that person across you in the eyes and say, this is the best course of care for you. They're going to think you're an idiot. And yeah. so the fact that they just didn't consider chiropractic on the map told me this isn't, that's not them. Like we shouldn't blame the doctors. What you should blame is like, we're not getting out and saying like, we can handle this part of the market. This is where we shine. You're a hundred percent right. So we do, our profession does a, there's some futurists that are hired NCMIC foot left. Some of the big corporate guys, they hire these futurists every 10-year blocks. Futurists are like economists from some of the top places. They do mostly government and Fortune 1000 company work to tell you like 
you know, like, okay, this, this, yeah. this thing called the cell phone, it's going to last two more years and then it's obsolete because this is going to happen. So these guys, have you ever are- heard of a, have you ever heard of great harvest bread company? It's like a bakery. In- yes. Yeah. I sat next to a guy who was a futurist in 1997 who said these little uh, bakeries like this, and you'll see some other players come into the market. This is going to have a huge surge in about 10 to 15 years. And then he said, great harvest is the one I'm betting on. But he said, there's another one. It's weird. It has a weird name, like Panaria or Panera. Yeah. <laughs> and he, <laughs> at Corner Bakery, he nailed all of those in 97. Now I didn't see them really take off until like the early 2000s, you know, but I know yeah, what you're talking I, about a futurist and he predicted they're that. Brilliant. They're right. They're paid to be brilliant because they can do trends. They know what gas prices are. They know what plastics are like. They know what they, they in, incorporate everything. So when they did the study, they interviewed two doctors, chiropractors, each, each time they do the study. In the last 10-year block, I was one of the ones that was chosen to be interviewed. And I went through this whole thing, and this guy was an economist, I think, from University of Maryland. And he's like, all right, we're done with the interview, but let me tell you something. You guys don't have a does-it-work problem. You got a marketing problem. <laughs> you know, just to go off your point, like – yeah. It's not about whether it works. It's not about what that, that there's not a need to be fulfilled, especially now during this critical time. It's about not knowing what to do and where to go with it. One, two, not understanding what that, the role of chiropractic and, and PT plays. And if we don't go out in front, you can't hang a shingle and say, all right, sit in your chair and wait. Like, I'm, I've not ever been that person. And I don't think people, if they're listening to your podcast, I'm sure are not those people either, because now they're already trying to educate and learn more. But yeah. it really does mean we need to get our butts out there. There's a book, The Tipping Point. I don't know if you've read it. Yeah. Malcolm so, Gladwell. Right. I mean, so you're talking about, and this is, he brought that up too. He's like, John, anything over 12 to 15% of a population's utilization, it spills over to everyone. You guys are still sitting in like 8% in some regions, 12% in another region. The only ones that are over 15% are in pockets where the colleges are because people stayed there. It's, but na- nationally, when you hit, would be, wait till it happens because there's not enough chiropractic colleges in the country to be able to supply enough docs to handle the volume of people. It was yeah, exciting to get off that interview with him saying, holy cow. We re-. And it really, that was another piece of the motivation for me to be like, you know what? I'm shaking the cage everywhere I go. I, I can't, you should, some of the interviews and you go online and you see some of the stuff I have posted up there, yeah. one of them at the, at the White House, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm in there shaking the cage on purpose. Like I just want, I want to ruffle feathers and make people understand that they missed the boat and they're not treating through pain. They're prescribing through pain and that's just not okay. Yeah. I love it. Uh, uh, and I think when you said there's never been a better time, I would challenge anybody out there that just, if you just look at the research simply around spinal manipulation. Now, every listener in this podcast loves exercise. We all love giving active care. We might have other, you know, class four lasers and tape and east and dry kneeling, all that. It's all great. It's all effective. It all works, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, but just look at the research in the last 10 years about spinal manipulation and its effect on painful and just low back pain. Stick there, stay, keep a super small scope. It probably, you know, manipulation probably works for plantar fasciitis as well, but I'm just saying stick to low back pain and stick to only spinal manipulation. 
So what I'm saying is the lowest, the easiest, the fastest, the default setting of our profession, right? If you come in and just bang, like crank on somebody's low back, adjust them and kick them out. We are blessed by the gods of healthcare that that's going to do a shitload for that person. <laughs> you know, like, Yeah. And I mean, there's a reason, like, I know that every, a lot of chiropractors are worried about PTs, you know, learning manipulation and all this stuff. I personally don't care. It reassures me that we are on the right track. They're learning manipulation because they realize it's incredibly effective as an entry point to this other stuff, to active care, to laser, to tape, all that stuff. But manipulation is awesome and effective and super safe. I mean, it hits all the boxes that you want, right? Mm -hmm. Super safe, affordable. And I think like just that, just that small scope of, if you only talk to primary care providers about low back pain, you might be able to treat 87 different conditions well, but I'm saying just talk to them about low back pain and just talk to them about, you know, how the research behind spinal manipulation and only the research in the last 10 years, mm-hmm. you will never be able to stop talking for the rest of your life at this point. You yeah. know, like there's, you could have that conversation 800,000 times before you die. Right. And I have in, in my presentations, I have a whole section on what's up until sometimes I each presentation, I add things in that the research just came out a week ago. And right. I just keep piling it on that coming out of Yale, coming out of BMJ, coming out of like the CDC itself. I mean, it, there's just massive amounts of material that we could use to our advantage. And Joint Commission has put stuff out. So, so it, it's, you're right. It's there. And it's like the KISS method of, of marketing and keep it simple, stupid, because the more you try to kind of talk in and you're talking in riddles and these people don't understand, they understand a couple of things. I got patients. I got more patients in the waiting room than I do that are in front of me right now. And I don't have the time to explain all these things I can do, but I could whip out a prescription and tell them it's at CVS. And by the time they get home, they can pick it up. Yeah. And they get yeah. into that mode of that, 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 that ease of use, but then they see the cascade of events that take place where they're not getting better. And I got to tell you, in active care too, a lot, when, I, when I have conversations with, the, with that, the system, the, the send to physical therapy that are not inclined to understand just pain, most of them are rehab-oriented, so they're post-injury deconditioned people, post-surgical, they're not, they're not in that, like the initial phases of care where we're doing pain control, passive modalities, range of motion, increased function. So that little, that gap in there, they send to PT and then they come back complaining that, you know, I got on a bike and I did these exercises and I'm, I can't move. I'm dying over here. Like, so, so having this integrative approach, like I never go in as the chiropractor. I go in as an integrative uh, healthcare specialist, and then I pitch chiropractic as the gatekeeper to all those modalities. So I, I utilize the sense of, because look, I don't care if you have seven different professionals in your office or just you. Do you do PT? You do, right? Yeah. I mean, I, active care. Like, yeah. Do you, are you asking me a legal have, question? <laughs> right. Do you, yeah. You do yeah. PT. You do yeah. rehab. Yeah. You do manipulation. Yeah. Yep. You do stem passive modalities. You do behavioral medicine. Yep. You better. You bet your ass you do. Like we're the yep. best behavioral medicine people out there. We're not even formally trained in it because we yep. lay hands. We have a conversation beyond than what anyone else is doing. So we're already an integrative practice without even saying you have other people in there. So yep. that's a great way to get in and, and make the explanation. 
And the minute you have a handoff for them that makes more sense than just straight out referral to something that may have them back with more pain or obvious reasons, putting them on something and having to increase those dosage over time. And yeah. they want they want the out. They really they they want the out now. I mean that it, it's never been a better time. I keep saying, but you can arm yourself in a way. It's it's scary. I mean, it's yeah. you literally have to stop your marketing at some point. And then who's ever had to say that? Like I usually right. we're trying to figure out where can I waste more money. <laughs> where can I go next? Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, uh, one of my mentors, a guy named Dr. Greg Rose, I don't know if you ever heard him speak, but incredible smart guy. Mm-hmm. And he said he, get, he works in the world of golf. And he said he gave the same presentation, this you know body swing connection thing over 400 times. He said it might be 800 times, right? And you know, a lot of times I see chiropractors going out there and they're talking about something to the Rotary Club and something different to the Chamber of Commerce and something different to the Kiwanis Club. And then they're going to their gym and talking about it. And I think if you just get to... And one of the reasons is we think we need to come up with new material. <laughs> and it's like, you don't. You need one single message to say, this is how to come in my office. And then all that other stuff you want to market or talk about or discuss and how good you are with headaches and foot pain and knees and all that. Cool. Do it after they have already entered your office. Right. But if your only entry point, is, I, another friend of mine, Dr. Jason Holm is incredible. And he, his thing, he made it super simple for the doctors was, if somebody comes in and says they have low back pain, and the doctor's like, well, who should I send you? And instead of saying everybody, because that's going to turn the doctor off, he said, ask them to touch their toes. If the pain gets worse, send them to me. If it doesn't change, give them meds. And it was like, that's a pretty damn good filter. It's an 80-20 filter. Right. But, you know, he told the doctor, no, 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 there's a small segment. Now, you and I know that ain't a small segment. <laughs> it's, right. like, it's like a trick. Like, yeah, filter off all the people who, do, who don't have pain with movement. Right. So that's one a week. But the other, you know. Right, right. Yeah, right. People that's that's, that's the kiss method, right? That's what yeah. we're saying. That is it. Yeah. It's and and, and to your point, I think he says he has really five referral sources, five primary cares that just believe in him. And the guy's like got three people working for him, wants two more, like yeah. you just can't keep up. Yeah. So, awesome. So, John, I know that you you help people kind of develop this model and, and see this this market. And we are certainly not done but I just want to stop real quick. Where can people find more information about you if they're like, I want some guidance on this. I want to make a huge impact in my community. Yeah, I mean, the drjohnrosa.com is like my main site that's got connections to my clinic, connection to my nonprofit work, and it has all my social media feeds. So it's dr without the period, drjohnrosa.com. And then that's, and I post incessantly on there, a blog post that, review articles on a weekly basis and post things and keeping people abreast of some of the stats and the stuff that's going on in that, in that particular market as my expertise. But instead of having to go dig for it, why, why, why dig for it when somebody else has got 17 emails a day regarding the crisis and is sitting on a CDC call and gets invited to the white house to have a talk. So the emails you delete are probably worth, $7 million worth of business, you know, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. on it's a daily insane. basis. Insane. Yeah. But I think that the, the great news is, you know, like you're saying, keep it simple, stupid. You can market your practice the hard way, trying to, you know, find the motivate the teacher, the whoever. But I think the easiest way, like I work with golfers a lot. The easiest way to get golfers is go to the, you ready for this? Go to the golf courses yeah. <laughs> where they go. 
talk to the pro or the person at the front counter who's doing the check-in or whatever and say, if you see anybody who has this complains about their back, send them to me. Now I could try and go individually to their houses or, you know, get a list from somebody of people who have bought golf balls in the last 12 months and send them a letter. But I assure you it's cheaper, easier, and more fun to go to the golf course where they're already showing up and market to the person who controls that in conversation. Now in the world of pain, what is the place they're going to where there's a single person in charge of that conversation? It's the primary care provider or an urgent care or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So hit those people up, man. And it's just, it, it, yeah. they need a, a method. They need help. They need a, assistance. They want it. And I think it's never been more acceptable to send to a chiropractor. I think we're just preaching to the choir here. I know that, yeah, but I just want people to hear it. Take the steps to take, right? So what do you, for those who are aggressive and confident, just call or have somebody in your staff call, make an appointment. For those who are a little intimidated by the process, because sometimes it is intimidating and especially early on, then you have patience. And every, if, you, if you're not collecting the name of their primary care physician in their intake forms, you're doing an injustice to your practice. Then you ask your patient, would you mind if I send your records to your primary care physician so that they know that you're being treated for this in case you see them for your normal visits and they want to ask how you're doing with it? And nine, nine out of 10, it used to be five out of 10 because they were like, no, don't tell them. They didn't want me to come here to begin with. Now it's more like, oh, yeah, sure, that's not a bad idea. Then you start faxing your notes to the primary care physician's office because if you have an office that has, you know, 100 patients, chances are there's a primary care in that area that's three or four of your patients deep. When they start seeing notes that they now have to read and check off to say that they saw it in the file, they think they sent you the damn thing because no one sends them anything unless they sent it. So. It's a teaser. It's an easy way to, and then you have someone call and say, hey, doctor, you know, we got so many patients in common. The doctor wanted to have a conversation with you about progress and some of the stuff he's doing. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, yeah, I know that doctor. They don't know who the hell you are, but you forced yourself in there. That's a simple, really simple way. Um, so if, if anybody's listening, the one step to take that Dr. Rose is talking about, it, the one step. If you aren't doing it, just start collecting the name of the primary care physician of every one of your patients and just start doing that, you know, and I'll tell you from experience, if, if you haven't done that and you have, you know, a few hundred, few thousand patients, start asking them in the, in the visit, like, Hey, who's your primary care and type that in. Because what I learned is the best patients for me came from a certain primary care provider that was he and I jive. And it, when I finally called and said, I want to go to his office, I was like, yeah, I have like 25 of your patients. I mean, in the last month, I think I've seen 25 of them. Right. And he's like, oh yeah, I've heard your name come up. Let's have lunch. And it was the easiest conversation in the world. Now I have a few that have, you know, one name came up and, or I went to a hospitalist. I'm like, okay, maybe if I have extra time and I don't want to sleep and I have, I've seen my kids enough and I'll go to see that guy you know, yeah, or that woman. Exactly. But, yeah. It but softens go to the, the blow, right? It softens the blow. It's a warm yeah. call instead of a cold call because they've already either you're just, you're not going to beg for business. You're going to talk about the cases you have in common or right. just say, yep. hey, we're working so closely together with, with patients that are in common that would love to catch up with you. And I have people sometimes that need a primary care. 
you know, yeah. so it's, it, it's, it's just an easy, it's a, it's a must. Like I, when I talk to people and they ask for like, what do I do? Where do I start? I'm going to, the number one thing is collect the name. And the number mm-hmm. two thing is send them stuff. Just make them think that they sent it to you. Just send it to them arbitrarily. Just send it's, it. If, it. That, that method, that recipe you just said that works in dating. It works yeah. with your mom. It works yeah. like, why wouldn't it work here? Right? Like if you yeah. just send your mom a mother's day card and some flowers, and when, you know, you write mom on it, like yeah. magic happens. If you it write works. dear valued family member, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. th- that stuff doesn't work as well. So yeah, it works. Let me ask you this. I, I know that, that, you know, for all those young doctors and maybe students listening, like I think one of the, I, ho- I hope you hear the core message of, of John's passionate talk here, which is the future is only as bright as you want to make it. There's absolutely no limitation to having the most impact and, and seeing patients and having a huge clinic that, you know, serves the public, makes money, does hits all the boxes you want, fulfillment, rewarding, all those things. Uh, and, and I know that there's some docs that are in practice 10 to 15 years, like myself that have seen this wave and super exciting. Let me ask about the big stuff, the macro stuff. Cause you're, you're involved in that kind of big level too. When you got to say the white house and, and, these large groups, when they're asked by Homeland Security and these different groups to talk about it, sometimes people think that these groups have an overwhelming amount of information and expertise. My experience, however, has been they are probably less informed than the person on the street. You know, like they, they think that the, the problem's insurmountable and you look at it and you go, you just need this thing. That's all you like. Yeah. This is a simple problem to solve. It very well said, and and yes, that they're by force, they're in a helicopter all the time, and the term helicopter view in politics and in big in big government, it almost has to be. That's not a bad like. If we don't have that happening, then they're, you're going to miss all the scatter. Right. So you yeah. Have, you have to have that in societal stuff. Like, like from here's one. Here's one I I I I heard is like. There were, where it was in the 40s or 50s, when somebody said we should have interstate highways that are funded by the federal government. Today, that idea of like the biggest freeways in the nation not being there, not, you know, it's like, oh, Kansas will build a road up to this point. And then, hey, if Missouri wants to take it from there, they can, but it's not up to us. It's like, you need a higher level view to go, this just makes sense for everybody, like, you know, travel and everything. Exactly. And, and that's, that's missing some. I'll give you a quick example of a meeting that was at, at the White House for on prevention. So this was in the previous administration and it's, it's the people who were the, the surrogates who were part of the prevention team. So there's prevention team, there's the media team, there's the, uh, the medical side, the treatment side, there's the naloxone side. There's like, but in prevention is supposed to be talking about like prevention of the crisis, right? So I'm one of maybe 20 some people in this, in the West Wing and Kellyanne was running this. She was the point. Kellyanne was the point on these, on these meetings. And I'm like sixth from her at the end and it started around the other way. And it was this guy from New Jersey, you know, Narcan distribution is up 400, 500% in my state. This is the number of how many lives that are saved. This is incredible. The next guy's like, yes, I'm going to talk about it too, because even now we're forcing prescriptions that are longer than 15 days to come with a prescription of Narcan. And we think that it saved this many, a couple thousand lives in the and they're going around, going around, and they're all in a similar vein. 
And I stood up and I was like, you know, I, Kel, I, I, Kelly, I gotta, I gotta go. And she's like, do you know where the restroom is? I'm like, I don't have to go. I gotta go, like, get out of here. I said, I am so busy. I was asked to be here as a, as a surrogate and, and an expert on prevention. And everything you have talked about so far is preventing death. That's great. That's the goal, right? But you're not preventing a problem. You're just, what everyone here is saying to me is that you're allowed to get addicted so long as we have enough places for you to be treated or we have an injection to give you or shove something up your nose so that we prevent you from dying. I said, that's not my expertise, but I can see by the number of people here, you're not going to get to me. I'm looking at my watch. I got to go. So she's like, Dr. Rosa, you have the floor for the rest of the meeting. That's awesome. And I went fucking bananas because then now it's like now the conversation and I said something simple because now I was like red faced, right? Because I'm half embarrassed. I was half pissed. I'm like, now the floor is mine. What are you going to say? What are you right. going to And now say? your Italian DNA will not let you A, shut up or B, not use your hands to describe the mass, massive problem, right? A thousand percent. You're so yeah. spot on. It's not. And I told the story. I said, look, I go fishing every day, every Sunday at the hole, right at, a, at this massive waterfall with my two good friends, an emergency room doctor and a primary care physician. We get down there, there's bodies flailing all over the place. They're in the water by the hundreds and they're going over the water's edge to their demise. Before I could blink, the ER doc is at the edge of the waterfall grabbing as many as he can because that's what he does. I said, then I look at primary care physicians build a raft already and he's out in the middle of the water putting people on the raft because that's what he does. Then they're screaming at me and saying, John, where the hell are you going? I'm swimming like an idiot to go. I said, I'm going upstream somewhere because they're either jumping in or someone's pushing them in. So I'll figure that out. You guys do what you need to do. I'll stop the flow. Right. And, and, and that's like in a, the most simplistic way. I had not the looks I had when I made my comments were like, who the hell do you think you are? And when it was done, the people that came up to me and said, that was the easiest, most descriptive way of need of prevention that we got to tackle this from the front end. And the front end is don't write the damn prescription for an ankle sprain. If I'm passing a kidney stone and I'm in the hospital, if you don't give me morphine, I will hurt somebody. Right. right? It's made for a reason. It's not made for the 90 percent of the people you're prescribing it for. That's our yeah. open window. That's our window. Yeah. And that's what you're saying, like you, that helicopter view versus not like they don't, they don't know the simplicity. And I told the story in reaction yeah. to what you said, because that was the most simple thing I could ever say to them. And yet it was so profound that it hit the brakes on treatment right. and, pumped and, and, you know. And it's funny at that, the highest level, I mean, we could say if you're meeting in the, the West Wing of the White House, like there could, there's no other stage that will exceed that. Right. I mean. I, I don't care if you're addressing the WHO or something, but it, it, the funny thing is to everybody listening and I, I have experienced this in my own life. I'm hearing it out of your mouth and you've certainly been on bigger stages and bigger meetings than I have. It doesn't, nobody cares about the embryology. Nobody cares about the deep understanding of anatomy. Nobody cares about, you know, the, the chemical reactions that are going on. The problem is it is in, they need somebody who can simplify it and say, all you need to do, like you're saying, is that that asshole up on the bridge that keeps like s stopping school buses and throwing the kids in, right. take him out, problem solved. It's not right. how many rafts do we need to build. It's eliminate the need for rafts. 
you know, like, right. And, and every high level meeting I've ever been in is like, if you can explain how simple that is and how it works at the street level, it's easy. Yeah. But the bigger it is, the more complicated people want to make it. And they do that sometimes to impress each other or whoever they're being hired by. But man, if you can just stick to the, <laughs> stick to, do you have people with low back pain? Yes. When ask them if, if it's worse when they touch their toes, send them to me. If, yeah. it, if it doesn't change it, keep them here. Like, yeah. I think just make it that simple for people. If you use the, the, the issue, the crisis, the opioid crisis as a conversation point, it's there. It, when you know the data, own the data and understand it. I mean, it comes out like verbal diarrhea for me because this is what I do. But when you start talking about the numbers and what, what it is that can be done and how it reflects on us, when you have 500,000 prescriptions for opioids written every single day, every day, that's not a month or a week or a, every day. And that's down from 650,000. Oh, whoa, hey, it's only half a million a, a, <laughs> a day that we're writing prescriptions for. Right. 200 people dying of an overdose every single day, half of which is from fentanyl, which they try to blame it. Now it's, it's fentanyl. It's the illicit stuff. It's not the prescription. Well, when 80% of heroin users started with a, a prescription medication, you don't jump to, you don't wake up in the morning and say, ha, today I'm going to go straight to fentanyl because you're dead. Ask anybody that's been in the military in the last, for the listeners out there, ask anybody that's been in the military in the last, that's gotten discharged in the last 10 years, ask them in the military, what is a popsicle? Yeah. And they will tell you that it has absolutely nothing to do with a frozen dessert. No, it's, it's fentanyl. It's unbelievable. And that, so yeah. you take, you have all this happening, 200 people dying every single day. That statistic is daunting. And now it's gone up drastically during COVID and the mental health issues that overlay onto it. Then every year we're losing more people to an overdose from opioids than all the wars, last three wars combined. Vietnam, Iraq, and Afghanistan add up 32 years of war, add up every death in 32 years. Every single year, we lose more people than we do to that. You know, these are the stats. And then, so the number one reason to, to, to go to the hospital after being born is low back pain. The number one reason to get an opioid prescription in this country is low back pain. The number one thing we take care of that's easy to explain is low back pain. It, it, what the hell are we doing by not having everyone on this planet, at least in this country, at least in the state, or at least in the county, or the damn city that you practice, how do they not know those stats? How do they know those, those three, four simple things to have a discussion with your community, with, your, with the doctor who's around the corner, with the legislator or a council member, or so I don't give a shit who it is. Hallelujah, buddy. Go out and do it, right? Yes. I, I Man. I hope everybody heard that. It, it, it is, there's never been a better time to have our license. There's never been a better time in the history of the world where everybody listening to this has the solution. The yeah. world is creating their own problem. We don't have to create the problem, right? We don't have to get people to like our French fries. <laughs> They're already on a drive to say like, we've right. got 200 people a day that you know are, are dying from French fry related deaths. And it's like, we have the number one chance of preventing yeah. people from eating French fries. Like, if that was, wow, right? Yeah, it's, this is our moment. This is our moment. So, all right. So for everybody listening, John, I mean, 
I don't know where the hell this could go anywhere higher up than this conversation we've already had. So for people listening that are like, this guy's preaching what I love and they want you to help them out or, or, you know, get some advice on either setting up your practice or maybe they have a big meeting coming up and they'd love to hire you to speak or, yeah. or, or for some consulting, where, where should they find more info? Well, if they go to the website, drjohnrosa.com, they can have the contact, you know, the contact us button. It yeah. literally goes straight to my email. So if there's anyone with a question or a request or <laughs> want me to speak. I picture your email call. like director of the NHS, yeah. uh, you yeah. know, uh, uh, vice president for, you know, uh, <laughs> and then the next line is like uh, Milwaukee Chiropractic Center. And then the next one. <laughs> and I answer every damn one of them. I got, That's awesome. I got zero issues with it. You know, I, I've helped people set, I've either spoke at conventions I've done smaller things. I've helped people set up community type talks. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. Like why, if you live in a, a community, there's a local community college, there's a emergency room doctor or nurse, there's a councilman, mayor, or somebody who it could be even higher up in government, and then there's you. Yeah. Why not do a, 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 a little community get together on the opioid crisis. They, every one of those people I talked about would love to take a stage, right? So, and yeah. all if the community college promotes it, you promote it and the, the hospital promotes it. The chief of police promotes it because he could talk about what's happening on the, the legal side of things sure. and, a, and a councilman or a local politician promotes it. And then, or invite me. I'll come and sit on the panel as one of the experts in the integrative medicine. And then yeah. the doc actually is the moderator. So now you're the thought leader. You're the one running this. You have canned questions that are designed to get at those people. And then you take questions from the audience and you just have that, that talk of like, you know, a community style yeah. thing. It gets the newspapers, it gets attention and get... Now, all of a sudden, you just created a method for these people to hear your voice. That's a great way to become a, a miniature expert right within your own community. Yeah, I love it. I, this, our conversation today reminds me, back after 9-11, you know, Las Vegas was, people were worried Las Vegas would become a target. I live in Las Vegas, a target for terrorism, right? And I remember our local liaison for Homeland Security they said, what are we going to do? How do you keep it safe? Blah, blah, blah. And that guy, very wise man said, everybody in this room, go meet your neighbors. That's how we prevent terrorism. Go meet your neighbors, know their name, know what they're about. He said, right. the worst thing in the world for the FBI is they show up and want to investigate the guy living next door. And the right. person says, I never met him. Right. <laughs> it's like, like we were so, we could have been so close. And yeah. it just comes down to relationships. And it's like to solve the opioid crisis, just meet your local primary care providers. That's it. Right. Whether it works or not, you gave them the chance, but hey. Just show up. Just right. show up. Yeah. Show yeah. Up. All right. All right. Well, uh, John, we really appreciate you being on today. This has been, I'm charged up. I'm excited. Uh, and I hope everybody listening is. Once again, it's drjohnrosa.com. So if people want to go there and find some more information. And uh, John, I say this every time, but this interview probably perfectly encapsulates everything that we're about. When I say, go out there, maximize your license and live the life you dream of. Thanks so much, John. You're very, very welcome. Thanks a lot for listening to Clinic Gym Radio. If you're looking for more information about me, about us, about our programs, then just head to clinicgymhybrid.com. Again, that's clinic 
jimhybrid.com. You can check us out there. We've got our accelerator program and a few other programs that will help you get up and running as quickly as possible and making more money while providing excellent active therapy to your patients. 